here's a message from Ken Lavica. She sees the light and one of the brightest shining stars we've seen in the past two decades in sports, Serena Williams. Well, she's hinting at a farewell. Stone Labanowitz, it's a sad day, but hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. Turn it up. Turn it up. Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 1063. Usually on a Tuesday this early on in August, uh, not much to talk about. Usually you're floating around football topics. You're kind of trying to make predictions. You're you're wondering which quarter, you know, any of those boring task things, similar like to what we did all day yesterday here on Ken Levick Alive, right, Stone? But today, the content machine, oh, it's a churning. Serena Williams, Kevin Durant, Roquan Smith asking for a trade, Cam Smith, to live golf tour. I mean, we got so much, but of course we have to start with Serena, the GOAT Williams, and that article she put out in Vogue, alluding to the end of her tennis career. Serena Williams, born of Compton, 41 years old, Palm Beach Gardens resident, literally synonymous with all things good in tennis, really all things good in this world, an icon, a queen, and she said and announced in a in a vanity article this morning. That she or Vogue article, a Vogue you, article you this gotta morning. That, you got to get that one right. Right. I mean, come on, Vogue, Vanity Fair, Vogue. Come Vogue on. will find us. Vogue will come and get us. But she announced in a Vogue article that she penned herself that she is uh, coming to an end, and her career might be ending after the U.S. Open. We'll have a few more chances to see her play. Obviously, she just wrapped up winning her first match in 430 days out in Toronto. So much to talk about here, but Stone, of course, we're starting with Serena Williams. She means so much, not just to the world of tennis, but to culture here in America, um, to young black girls and black women all over, and really just to the many people that enjoy sports at the highest level. One of the ultra competitors, um, someone who has won at the highest levels in tennis, 23 Grand Slam titles, and also somebody who won a freaking Grand Slam title whilst pregnant. Eight weeks pregnant. Eight weeks pregnant. Serena Williams showing us a time and a time again perseverance in its finest form. Stone, no Ken Levicka today. It's yourself, Stone Labanowitz, myself, Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm now two days off of my Vegas trip, my voice coming back into full form. Woo! You know, I'm feeling a lot better today. I'm more energized. I'm pumped up. We got some great stuff to talk about. And also, it's just energizing to be able to lead off with a, with an icon like Serena Williams. Oh, yeah. And uh, before the show, we were just talking about, I mean, even that photo uh, that she led her Vogue article. And if you haven't seen it yet, it was posted about a couple hours ago. And the uh, photo, the marquee photo on it is Serena Williams in this powder blue dress that extends out. I mean, the draping on the dress is like longer than like a wedding dress is. What do you call <laughs> that thing? Not the. It's not a veil. I don't know that. Not a fashion forward guy. I don't know all of that stuff. Yeah, I don't think me or you are qualified yeah. to even take a guess. The train, what that the train is. on the dress. It's a ah. train. Come on now. Come on. A long Better train. She has a long train on the dress, and she has her daughter, Olympia, holding the dress. And I think the most impactful thing about this article that Serena Williams put out this morning isn't just because I, at this point we know the career resume. 
We know that if she's not to you the greatest tennis player of all time, I mean, she's right up there floating at the top. I know she didn't reach the number 24, but I mean, she in the open era, she's the only one to even reach numbers similar to that. Yeah, no doubt. But can I go to the resume? Because you I, want to touch on resume first, or just go be, resume. Just Give them the be, tennis resume stone. Just because the numbers are astronomical. Yes. Like like if you're not paying attention 24 seven, like someone who is a fan of the sport, you might not know these numbers. But you still know that they're insane. So 39 Grand Slam titles. That's 23 singles, 14 doubles, two of them mixed. 73 singles titles. Mm. And those aren't Grand Slams. Those are just hoisting trophies around the globe. Like what Nick Kyrgios just did. No doubt about it, Big Nick. So 23 doubles titles, four Olympic gold medals, 319 weeks at world number one. Mm. 365 match wins, the most by a woman ever. I think she... We're not talking 70s, 80s, 90s, right? When the sport became popular. She's yeah. carried us all the way up until this point, along with Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic, right? It's been Serena Williams. If you're not a fan and she comes across ESPN on your TV, no matter what age you are, you could be 85 years old. I mean, you're tapping in just to see what she's got, just to see how the crowd reacts to her, and just to make sure you have eyes on it. So, icon all the way through and through. One of the biggest draws, and I like how you said that, because when you think of people who are box office, who are draws unto it themselves, it doesn't matter what event they're playing it doesn't matter how high the stage is. She is somebody that's must-see TV on that level of, like a Michael Jordan in the NBA, on that level of Tiger Woods in golf. I mean, she's right up there when you talk about, I got to – Serena's on TV. Stop what you're doing. You know, Let's check it out. You bring up an interesting point there because we fantasize over guys like Odell Beckham, right? We're yeah. buying Steph Curry shoes and LeBron James. Serena don't even have to try yeah. to get the eyes on her. She just needs to show up. And at this point, she's not showing up because she's getting paid. She's just showing up at her leisure, right? Yeah. Because there are fans and players that she supports and wants to say hello to. So she's on a whole nother level. And we talked about what Jordan did, and he was the first one to kind of make it international, right? And Kobe spent some time in China, and that kind of blew up. And um, as, as Americans, we thought that was cool that we were bringing in you know, other countries and other eyes. Serena's been doing that their whole life. That's what the sport consists of, just going country to country to country, and whether you're Chinese, right, whether you're Russian, no matter, no matter your ethnicity or where you're from, you're a fan of Serena Williams for all the right reasons. And she's from the United States of America. So it's just Compton. really cool to see. Compton, Bompton. It, you know what I'm saying? For, straight from Compton, uh, uh, grew up a lot here in Florida, uh, lives here now as a resident. And you talk about that global impact because we know what her impact on American culture is mm -hmm. from the Beyonce videos that she appeared in. So really, I mean, all of the commercials, I mean, you watch the TV, especially sports TV, for an hour, you're probably going to see some of Serena Williams in a glimpse. We're going to get the perspective of what her global impact is off the court uh, a little later on here from Jose Morgado, who is pretty much one of the major voices in tennis, uh, tennis commentator. So we'll get him in about 10 minutes here on the lines to give us the global impact and what this really means because, I mean, she kind of alluded to it, and I, and I want to pitch to this audio from yesterday. After she won her first match in more than 430 days uh, out in Toronto, what 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 um, event was that again? Toronto. So they're playing in Canada right now. Okay, got you. And this is Serena Williams after winning that match as she is. You can just see the joy coming across her face and exuding out from her a little bit of relief. And Serena Williams, just listen closely to how she really hints at us yesterday. And I don't think it was big enough news yesterday. Everybody was talking about how she won the match. I don't think we paid close enough attention to her hinting at seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and her career possibly coming to an end. At this point in your um, career or your life, what is it that uh, 
continues to drive you or keeps you hungry in the sport? Um, I don't know. I guess there's just a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting closer to the light. So that's... <laughs> yeah. So that's like, lately, that's been... <laughs> that's been it for me. I can't wait to get to that light. I know you're joking, but can you... I'm not joking. Okay, so then explain to me what, what the light is to you, what the light represents. Freedom. Yeah. I love playing, though. It's, it's like, it's amazing, but, you know, it's like, I can't do this forever. So it's just like, sometimes you just want to try your best to enjoy the moments and do the best that you can. Serena saying what it means to her and the first words out of her mouth, freedom. Um, I don't know if people really grasp how deep that is that she said that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that is a, that's a powerful word. There, there are some words in the English uh, you know, vocabulary that are throwaways. There are some words that people pass along. You know what word I really hate? Passion. We overuse passion. Do we? I feel like we overuse passion. Everybody, you meet. You got to explain that. Think about it. You meet any young sports journalist, and what do they say? Oh, I'm passionate about sports. That's what made me get into this industry. Can we replace it then? What do you want? Intensity. And I mean, again, it's one of those well, words that's lame that too. it's it's pretty lame, and it's also a, it's a little cliche to say, "Oh, I'm so passionate." Don't tell me you're passionate. Show me. But the word freedom. And what it embodies and what it symbolizes in the times it gets floated out there, that's not a word you float out there just, you know, vicariously. When you say freedom, you're you're telling somebody, like, in so many words, literally in one word, that I feel like I've, for Serena Williams, she knows that she means so much to the game of tennis. She means so much to the world. She's such a huge draw, and she kind of feels like she owes it to her fans to continue to get back out there. But also, if you read that Vogue article, and you hear how she outlined how she has been on that chase for 24, and that has meant so much to her. The word freedom that she throws out there right now feels like she's freeing herself from the chains of being so bound to, oh, I need to try to go get 24. Oh, I need to continue to go put a show on for my fans. Like She loves the game of tennis, but she's ready to be set free. And again, as, as she alluded to in this Vogue article, she's ready to give Olympia a little sister or yep. a little brother. Can't really control it, but... Olympia's been praying for a little sister, so yes. hopefully she gets what she wants. And also, just be more there for her family. And also, like, think about Serena. Like, her life has been tennis since she was, like, three years old. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to touch on. In that Vogue article, she says, quote, my whole life up to now has been tennis. Yes. My dad says I picked up a racket when I was three years old. She said, but I think it was even earlier. There's a picture of Venus pushing me in a stroller on a tennis court, and I don't even know the date on it. And, yeah, you talked about freedom. I mean, that's the thing with, with tennis. You're in the confines year of the round. sport. Your schedule is year-round. And I think that's – you touched on the chase for 24. I think that's one of the faults that we as media have. And I, and I don't like it that much. And sometimes in my head I try to work around it. But maybe it's our fault pushing her to get to 24. When she just loves being out there on the court and playing tennis. Yeah. And football players too, right? We're pushing Aaron Rodgers to get in the Super Bowl because we think that matters. He just wants to be the best quarterback in the game, right? He's back-to-back MVP. And he's like, Really? I'm not anything if I don't win another Super Bowl. I would say with Serena though, is is it are we pushing her to 24 or is she that she feels like one of those crazed competitors? You mean passionate, like, right? Very passionate, <laughs> very passionate competitor. No doubt. But no, like she feels like on the level of like the Kobe Bryant, yeah. the Tiger Woods, the Michael Jordan. Like you, you don't think of LeBron James in that in that same light. Not to say he's not competitive, but when you talk about ultra competitors, every single time they step out there, it's like a relentless passion. 
for the game. I did it again. <laughs> but no, like seriously, Serena I Williams, I, I feel like that drive comes from within. And even she even alluded to, and I thought this was one of the greatest things. I mean, the article itself, and again, I, I can't stress enough, you should read it oh, it's on Vogue. Gr- it is great. It's so illuminating, not just to her perspective on her career, but also her her real character and her mindset as she's been going through this. One of the things she touched on, I don't know if you – did you see King Richard? I'm sure you did. Stone. I loved it. Great movie. My, one of my favorite parts of that movie is the fact that it never really got into Serena's journey, and it was more so depicted on King Richard, Richard Williams, and yeah. Venus and her uprising. And it almost felt like the beginning of the Serena Williams story, like almost like her villain story birthing. And I couldn't – like I can't wait for the Serena – you know, biopic. That, for, for. Th- that's really well said because you're right. Like, they made it about their father Venus. and Venus. Yeah. And, you know, time and time again, we see the little brother or the little sibling or sister doesn't matter. Usually is the one that ends up being better than the older sibling. Like because, what happened there. Like what happened there because you realize early on, like, all right, to be accepted in this family, like you guys are putting Venus on this pedestal. Like, all yes. right, I got to be better than her. And you just train your brain like that. I, I kind of felt the same way. My older brother was a football player, right? was on a Division One scholarship, and I was like, okay, I'm only anything yeah. if I'm better than him, if I get paid more than him yeah. at a better school. And it pushes you and, and just drives your life in a certain way, and I think any younger sibling can speak to that. But that's really well said because they didn't touch on Serena at all. Yeah, There was a, a one quote that Will Smith dropped, and he was playing their father, and he said, whispered to one of the guys, and he, he didn't want to work with Serena, right? They were showing the trainer that one of the best in the world who's working with Venus, right. and, he, and he went over and whispered, and he's like, the trainer asked, hey, what about that one? Pointing at Serena. And he's like, that one's going to be the best in the world. That one's going to be two times yeah. better than Venus. And the yeah. trainer did not know what to fathom with it because Venus was already the best in the world. And it, yeah, it just speaks volumes. It's, and it's really cool because they just left the movie off like, Serena, whatever anybody makes of your story is from here on out. Like, we yes. didn't touch on it. And I can't wait for that sequel, quote unquote. I'm sure it'll be a whole new production. I'm sure she has things already in the works. But also, her talking about that, talking about being the younger sibling, just makes it all the more relatable. Mm especially coming from somebody because you look at Serena Williams and it's not just her presence. It's not just her athletic ability, but also like it, she feels so unrelatable because she feels so untouchable. And to see her pour her heart out in that article and talk about some of those things, being the younger sibling, talk about going through the pregnancy and winning the, the Australian open while pregnant, the postpartum depression, Mm -hmm. all of those things that we kind of knew about, but to see her lay it all out there on the line. And I love that she penned the article herself so illuminating, uh, so empowering, and I'm sure there's, I mean, I see people tweeting, a lot of people talking about how they were in tears reading the article. It, it is something that is literally uh, kind of groundbreaking, and I'm glad that we got that on this morning. Yeah, and I'm a fan of tennis because a lot of it has to do with the social aspect. A lot of it is life-related. Like, we don't get this. right? When, what is it? It's called the Players' Tribune in the NFL yeah, and the NBA yeah, when somebody yeah. wants to speak out. Like, tennis players are able to do that off the rip because you're mano a mano. You're on an island, right? Yep. You don't have teammates. A lot, you're not even allowed to be coached. And when I'm talking about life is crazy, there's a quote in the Vogue article. I'm going to keep referen- referencing you to gotta it You got to keep day. going back it's, to it. There's Heck gold. Yeah. There's gold. And if you it's haven't— straight if, from her mouth. Straight from her mouth. She said, this morning, my—this was, I believe, a week ago. But this morning, my daughter, Olympia, who turns five this month, and I were on our way to get her a new passport before a trip to Europe. We're in my car. She's holding my phone using an interactive educational app she likes. The robot voice asks her a question. What do you want to be when you grow up? She doesn't know I'm listening, but I can hear the answer she whispers into the phone. She says, I want a big sister. A little, I want to be a big sister. I want to be a yes. big sister. Like for Serena to hear that, 
She probably has to pull over on the side of the road. And what like, matters most to you now? What matters most to you? With all she's accomplished, she's like, hmm, I can tap out. But I'm too big. But where? what do I do now? And so her head's, you know, all in this real foggy place. She's yes. talking about, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. But I think... Tennis is, there's an interesting aspect with life that affects your game more than a football player does, right? Because there's another 10 guys on the field, whether it's offense right, or defense. Right, it's a team. It's a team sport is a lot different. It's sure. just a lot different. So I, I think this this is going to be hard for Serena, and we're going to be able to be alongside with her because she is so open and honest. So this is something that I, I'm excited to tag along with and kind of follow. It's just kind of the end of her journey, or maybe it's not. Who knows? I, and that's the thing, too. She did leave the door open, and she won't use the word retirement. She's saying she's evolving to the next part of her career. Yeah. Which, again, that means evolving into potentially not playing tennis anymore and just being part of the family. And it's why I always say whenever any athlete or coach says, I'm leaving the game or I'm leaving this organization because I want to spend time with family, Mm -hmm. it's malarkey. We just saw Tom Brady do this, and he was retired for 40 days and came right back because it's BS a lot of times when guys say it, but you can tell – what Serena Williams is alluding to, especially given what she went through in 2017. Mm-hmm. When, again, you can't stress this enough, eight weeks pregnant, she wins a major title. <laughs> and then even after that, right after her pregnancy, which she had some um, she had some complications that she's also been very open and honest about, she gets right back to playing tennis and playing at a high level. Now, as a woman, your body changes when you have I, – I, I know nothing about pregnancy. I'm not even a father myself, let alone a woman, but – as an athlete, we've heard enough. Yeah, we've heard enough and we've read the stories. Your body changes. And to be at this age now, 41 years old, when she says she wants to focus on family, I know that's it. I know that there's been some people saying, you know, at, obviously at this point, her winning another Grand Slam title is slim to none. Yeah. But I think that's even less important and more important is the fact that she is freeing herself from that chase and freeing herself no from that for her family. I think it's inspiring. Man. So when, when you touch on that, she she said, because, quote, I don't like the word retirement, right? I'm yeah. just evolving my stance in the game of tennis. And, and speaking to our marketing director here at ESPN West Palm, she was like, I don't want to put out breaking news. She said she wasn't retiring. Yeah. And I said, tennis doesn't work like that. And if you're that big of a quarterback like a Tom Brady, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Like you're going to fall into media and in tennis, you can pop up here and there at the places you like. I wouldn't be surprised if in eight years we see Serena play in the Delray Beach Open. She loves Delray. Oh, of course. She can pop in at the Why Miami not? 1000 and just kind of give it a go, right? Like get in shape, find some form, play in a little tune-up tournament. It's only two months out of the you know the 12 months that are that are in a year. How so, often does that happen? Like how old? All do... of the time. Okay, because you can so you can play it because I know tennis is a sport already. You mm-hmm. can play into your older years. So when women's or men's, when you win a Grand Slam, you are given a wild card. Basically, to any tournament you want. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, when nowadays with college football and the NIL movement, like we realize like everything's about the money. Of course. So if somebody who was good, you know, top five in the world, top three in the world, now they're 43 years old, they want to give it a go somewhere, right? If their body feels good and they feel like they can compete with the draw who's in the field, they'd be like, hey, you know, let me give the tournament director a call. Hey, can I come play? Hell yeah, you can come play. Love You're it. about to put butts in the seat. Yeah. And so Serena's going to do that all over. It's, they're going to be like photo ops, right? So I don't think Serena can contend at any tournament. At this point, right, and, she, and, she's, and she's already said she will be um, playing in the U.S. Open. She plans to play in the U.S. For Open sure. coming up. But there's no, I mean, we talked about it before the show. Slim to none, almost impossible that she actually can come out of that and win number twenty-four. Yeah, it, and, and it's funny because I'm somebody. Anytime a major comes around, I bet on Tiger Woods. Right, I throw a hundred. You are ridiculous. I'm shooting a half court how do you, shot. How do you tell me that Serena Williams? Can't win a Grand Slam title, but Tiger Woods, you're you're putting your faith in every single time he steps into one of these tournaments. He's hobbled. 
Well, they're, they're at, it, the, both the sports ask, diff, <laughs> ask different stuff from your body. You're right. You're right. Tiger Woods is on one leg out there. I mean, if it, and that's, it affects his iron plays from like 100 yards in. But, you know, if he does birdie his first four, Tiger can flip his mindset and, and, and kind of paw out and so be it can in happen. contention. So the sports are different. Serena, tennis is asking so much. I'll play tennis and I'll put my little Apple Watch on and I'll burn 1,200 calories. You're mm. running line to line to line. Yeah. And now there are 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old girls who are just savage Beasts. robots, dude. Robots. Beasts. Who's the, who's the number, world number one again? Iga Shvatek. We yes. watched her. She won 36 matches in a row. Oh, my. She, she owns different. Dude, she's different. Like, yeah. We, and we see now with guys like John Moran, Russell Westbrook, opposed to the Isaiah Thomases. Like, these dudes are just different and nowadays. Really, and really what we're talking about is what Serena Williams literally was just a decade ago or two decades ago. And literally exactly. for all of my life. What, what year were you born, Stone? 1998. She turned pro in 96. She won her first major at the U.S. <laughs> Open in 1999. Bro, like, you don't know a world of tennis. You don't have even mm-hmm. a, a conception of what tennis is without her. She's synonymous with tennis, especially for these generations. No doubt. And I don't know, man. Like, it is so weird. You know the stories with Tiger Woods when he went and trained with the Navy? Yeah. Right? And he was the one who he was the only player on tour who was weightlifting. And laying down and, and, and bench pressing, right. right? And putting a squat bar on his back. And the dudes on tour were like, what the hell like, is, what this, is dude this dude doing? On? Yeah. This dude's out here driving three, 340 yards when 280 was like the record last year. Like, who the hell is this 21-year-old? <laughs> That's what Serena did to tennis. Yes. The girls were like, what the? She has biceps? Yes. She, look at the quads on this chick. And she just changed the game from there. Now you see girls who are just bulked the hell up. Yeah. Because that's what it takes to contend. So and it's a whole first, different world because of her. And at first, because of bigotry and because of mm-hmm. racism and because of misogyny, she was attacked. And people tried to tear her down for the way that her body was sculpted and for the way that she carried herself. And yep. then oftentimes, again, misogyny because of the outfits she would wear. And now it's like literally the culture of tennis has shifted, and she forced that out of tennis. I'm sure, I mean, I, and I'm not as big of a tennis guy as you, but like in the tennis world, all of that backlash and all that draw, it, it wouldn't have been evolved if she wasn't also great and also winning these major titles at the same time. And I think that's motivating in itself if you're a player, right, and you're getting all this backlash, like somebody for like Kyrie or somebody LeBron to constantly hear it. Like all you're doing is pushing them along. Yeah. All you're doing is motivating them. Even the last month or, or maybe it was two months ago, there was a reporter that said, Serena can't contend because all of the ex- the baby weight or all of the extra weight she has on. Like, she needs to yeah. lose weight. Who the hell are you to tell somebody they need to lose weight to compete and stuff like that? And she's been doing that her entire career. Her whole life. And she has never, never backed down from going face-to-face with somebody that's either bigger than her or means more than her to the sport because, you know, she feels as if she's that person. So yes. I think that's that's one thing that a lot of people respect, even going at umpires, right? Like, she's – I remember – I don't remember what match it was. I think it might have been in an Australian Open or a – against Naomi Osaka, it's famous. Everyone yes, knows what happened. she was uh, arguing and, back and forth with the umpire. Right, so Serena basically, in a sense, X's and O's, forfeited the match. Right. Because the umpire was, in a sense, being sexist or just kind of calling things the way he wanted it to. And she said, out loud, in front of the sold-out stadium, you wouldn't do this in a men's match. Yes, And yes. basically forfeit, forfeit the match and lost to Naomi Osaka. So gave up a grand slam to stand up for something she believed in. A woman of principle. A woman of principle, and she was bred like that. Just yeah. like Tiger Woods in the Masters, man. They weren't even letting these cats play. They weren't even letting black people play in the Masters. And Tiger yeah. Woods like, you know what, All right, how, how about I just go win it nine times, and, and then y'all can eat that. And break the door wide open. Just bust that thing down. And that's what people like. And that's why when we talk about Serena Williams, and I want to go ahead and open up the phone lines to hear – uh, what Serena Williams means to you specifically. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Call in. 
Tell me what specifically Serena Williams means to you. Stone, we can go back and forth about what she means to the game of tennis. Yeah. We already know what she means to American culture and specifically what she's been, an icon, a role model, a queen for young black queens to look up to and people in general to look up to. What does Serena Williams mean to you and how are you kind of reflecting on that now that we know that we're about to watch maybe some of her last matches over these next few weeks? Again, Serena Williams coming out with that article in Vogue this morning announcing that she is on the brink of saying farewell to the sport that she popularized all throughout America and really throughout the globe and has continued to carry that sport on her back. At the age of 41, Serena Williams uh, planning to retire here. And before we again uh, start taking those calls, 888-760-3776, I want to just hear her one more time. That sound from the press conference out in Canada she, gets, she just won her first match in 340 days. We've seen her hobbled with injury. We've seen her have to withdraw from tournaments. She won her first match in about a calendar year. And here's Serena again talking about seeing that light at the end of the tunnel and how her career might be close to an end. At this point in your um, career or your life, what is it that uh, continues to drive you or keeps you hungry in the sport? Um, I don't know. I guess there's just a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> what is that like? I don't know. I'm getting closer to the light. So that's... <laughs> yeah, so that's like, lately that's been, that's been it for me. I can't wait to get to that light. I know you're joking, but can you... I'm not joking. Okay, so then explain to me what, what the light is to you, what the light represents. Freedom. Yeah, I love playing though. It's it's like it's amazing, but you know, it's like I can't do this forever. So it's just like sometimes you just want to try your best to enjoy the moments and do the best that you can. At this point in your, you know who else wants freedom? A man out in Brooklyn, in <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> A man who's out here throwing around ultimatums, trying to get folks fired so that he can get his way. We're in the era of player empowerment. No star as empowered as Serena Williams has been in her game of tennis. Kevin Durant trying to bolster up his chest. Uh, we're going to talk about how Joe Sy, owner of the Brooklyn Nets, responded to Kevin Durant and his second trade demand. And what the hell this means for the future of the Brooklyn Nets franchise, which is competing now with the Knicks to be maybe the biggest joke in the NBA. He's Stone Labanowitz. I'm Theo Dorsey. We're live here filling in for Ken Levicka on Ken Levicka Live on ESPN 106.3. Can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. Can we do it again? From the yeah, Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown yeah, West Palm yeah. Beach, you are listening to yeah, Ken yeah. Levicka Live on ESPN 106.3. TJ Miller, superstar, comedian, movie star. Later on, we're going to be giving out some uh, some tickets to him. He's coming to the Palm Beach Improv Comedy Club. I've seen this guy off his party, Deadpool, Transformers 4. I mean, this guy's been all over the big screens. He'll be right in our backyard. So we'll be giving out tickets to him later on as he'll be doing some stand-up here in Palm Beach County. Man, it feels good to be back. feels good to be on. Theo Dorsey here, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I got Stone Labandowitz with me. No Ken Levicka today. But we're rolling. We're rolling steady. That we are. And somebody who wishes he was rolling steady right now, and honestly, it's just I never can tell where his mind truly is, but he he, he gave us another uh, glimpse into it, is Kevin Durant, 
who has now redemanded a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. And in this redemanding, it came out in reports that Kevin Durant had a meeting with owners, uh, Brooklyn Nets owner Joe Sy. And he told him, not only do I redemand this trade, not only do I want you to trade me to the teams that I've already requested to go to. Remember, one of those teams, the Miami Heat, still in the hunt. Still in the hunt. We'll see what happens. He also told Josai that he would like Sean Marks, general manager, and Steve Nash, head coach, to both be fired. So he's really Kevin Durant, a guy that's, you know, maybe listed, I don't know, what, 195. I don't know how, how much he weighs. He's pushing his weight around right now in Brooklyn. And we're going to really come to, we're going to find out how much that weight matters mm. because. Josiah responded, and Stone, I don't know what your reaction was when you saw this tweet. This came out about 7.55 yesterday. And again, Kevin Durant, I love the content machine that he is. Yeah. But why didn't he give us that before our show kicked off yesterday? He waited until like right after the show to read Amanda Trey. You know, I think he has something against us, Theo Dorsey and Stone LeBanons. Kevin Durant knows who we are. Yeah, right. I know that. I want them to have a bad show on a Monday. Yes. Right, Theo's fresh off a red-eye flight, just got done partying in Las Vegas. Come on, man. Stone is new in the media industry. I'm going to let these guys rot. I'm going to let these guys look like idiots. He let us suffer. You know? Kevin Durant let us suffer. He left us out on an island by ourselves, (laughs) just like, well, James Harden and Kyrie Irving did to him. (laughs) This past year, so. But you asked for my reaction on the Joe side. Yes, I, I wanted to stand up and clap because what an idiotic request. Let's read the tweet off then. Please do. Joe Sai at 7.55 yesterday. This is hours after the report comes out from Sham Sarania of The Athletic that Kevin Durant is redemanding the trade and also requesting that Sean Marks and Steve Nash both be fired. I guess that's his way of saying, fire them and I'll stay or trade me. Joe Sai tweets out, Five hours later, our front office and coaching staff have my support. That being Steve Nash and Sean Marks. We will make decisions in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets. Josiah now, because Kevin Durant, again, trying to push his weight around, trying to get what he wanted. Again, we've never seen really an athlete of KD's stature make a trade request so so um, publicly and this much time passed without it happening. Back when Kobe Bryant won it out of the Lakers, that was more so hinted. It wasn't like he was out tweeting about it. It wasn't like the reports were coming straight from his mouth. It was a lot more hinting at winning a trade, the Lakers not doing it, Kobe staying back. They build around him. They win two more championships. It all works out. Kevin Durant, maybe top three, top five player in the game right now. I know he's 33 going on 34 years old. He's a walking bucket. He's a guy that also is not a defensive liability. He's a guy that also is... He's won championships. Now, we've seen these past three years since he's left the Golden State Warriors. He's not really able to maybe do it on his own, but he's he's guided his team to the highest of the highs in the NBA. And right now, he's at a standstill with the Nets brass. And, and, and Stone, I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't think Kevin Durant is going to be getting his way. I think that the Brooklyn Nets are tired of being walked all over. Yeah, They got abused in that trade. When they when they went out and got Kevin Garnett and and Ray Allen or not Ray Allen Paul Pierce mm-hmm. from the Celtics and they were teased from that now we get Bobby Marks insider instead of Bobby Marks general manager Sean Marks <laughs> like yo I ain't finna end up like Bobby <laughs> if I make this trade and get Kevin Rand out this door I don't want to be ESPN personality the next five years I want to continue to be a general manager in the NBA. The Nets are not going to just diss him out for any package from one of these teams Kevin Durant wants to go to. Nor should they. And. Joe Sy just told us yesterday 
He's not firing Sean Marks. He's not firing Steve Nash. So let's get into a conversation about Kevin Durant wanting Steve Nash fired. So here's Alex Schieffer speaking. He's a Nets beat writer speaking on Kevin Durant, how he... How's he's, how he's influenced a lot of the decisions for the Nets, you yeah. know, leading up to this point. So here's Alex Schiffer. Kevin Durant had influence in hiring Steve Nash. And look at Steve Nash's coaching staff last year. I mean, David Vanderpool, overlap with Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City, hails from Prince George's, Maryland, like him. Brian Keefe, longtime OKC assistant with Kevin since I think his second year in the league. Adam Harrington, personal trainer who introduced Nash and K, uh, to KD. And was another assistant. I mean, this whole Royal Ivy, you know, he had so much say in the coaching staff and it was been roster decisions that really outside of the Kyrie contract situation, I mean, he's gotten a lot of his wishes granted here. He did this. You did this. You set all of this up. Kevin Durant made a wonderful decision in 2016, July 4th, 2016. Ugh, don't do that. Go no, 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 no. Let, let me finish. Okay. Kevin Durant made maybe the best decision of his career July 4th, 2016, when he announced he was going to the Golden State Warriors and leaving Oklahoma City. Why do I say that? I look, don't know. Look what he left behind. Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, a guy who he knew he couldn't win with at that stage. What do you mean? He a, had Western a, chance con- to. a Western Conference Finals contend- contender? Well, Game he, 7? He, he saw what happened in those fin- in that series. He knew he didn't have <laughs> enough. So what I'm saying, I know you, it, you don't, y'all don't like what Kevin Durant did when it comes to his legacy. Sure. But you cannot argue that it wasn't the right decision. Because what came after? Mm. Back-to-back championships, and it would have been a third championship if not for all of the injuries that plagued the Golden yeah, State Warriors. One of them, an MVP. Kevin... MVP in both of them. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant made the best decision of his career, though it did tarnish his legacy a lot in NBA circles, and though it did come with him feeling a bit shortchanged and him feeling a bit like he didn't, you know, it almost came as a double-edged sword, but Kevin Durant made the best decision for his career going out and winning those two championships with Golden State. Because of the backlash that came with it and because it did not fulfill him inside, because he didn't get that, honor of being the top guy in the NBA because everybody thought it was a snake move. Mm-hmm. And because he's so sensitive, ever since that move, he's done nothing but make poor decision after poor decision after poor decision. Kevin Durant tied his legacy and his future in basketball to Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant also decided to go to the Brooklyn Nets, and they, in cahoots with Kevin Durant, turned the whole franchise over to him and a conspiracy theorist. And every decision they made for the Brooklyn Nets since they arrived there has been poor. Choosing DeAndre Jordan over Jared Allen, terrible decision. Choosing Steve Nash over Kenny Atkinson, horrible decision. Going forward and asking for them to trade for James Harden, iffy decision because of what they gave up and because of Harden's inability to want to stay with them because of Kyrie Irving again. Again, hitching your wagon to a guy like Kyrie Irving who doesn't know every morning when he wakes up whether or not he you know, wants to play basketball, whether or not if the earth is damn flat or round, whether or not if you know, he's pointing he triangles and he doesn't know if he even wants a head coach. Like Kevin Durant has made poor decision after poor decision. Now he's trying to eradicate him by getting Steve Nash and Sean Marks fired or get traded out of Brooklyn. I, I'm kind of sick of it. I'm, I'm, I'm done defending Kevin Durant. I, I hear you. 
And I high five you to that. And let's get into that conversation because we can sit here on ESPN Radio and talk about what KD wants, but nobody freaking knows what he wants. Nobody he doesn't knows. know what he wants. So this is Alex Schiffer again on the Nets beat, right? He spends every waking moment uh, around that, this team. What a beat to be on. You my, know what I'm my saying? My guy Christian Winfield, New York Daily News, has been on this net beat as well. He he's sick right now. He was gonna be able to. He's gonna be a guest and talk some nets with us. What a content machine beat to be on. It's never a dull day on the Nets beat. But at the same time, you, you don't know what angle. So here's Alex Schiffer talking about, hey, well, I'm on the beat, but I don't know what this cat wants. <laughs> That's the question that no one seems to have a great answer for. Is it simply that he wants to go back to getting his way like I'm sure we all do? Or is there something more there? Because, again, Kevin Durant was publicly defending Steve Nash in April as the season ended, and now here we are. So... If something changed, I mean, again, it's not like Steve Nash completely changed the system or anything. He hasn't coached the game since then. So clearly something has changed with them in Kevin Durant's eyes that lead him to believe that they're no longer um, that they're no longer worthy of, of occupying their jobs. So I don't I don't that that's the question that I don't think anyone has an answer to of what you just asked. So why does he feel this way? And, and again, this is why you can't just turn over the keys to your franchise to an NBA superstar every single time, especially when you don't know the character of this guy, especially when this isn't a guy that you drafted and you have an understanding with. The Nets turned over the keys of the franchise to Kevin Durant, and I get why they did it. I mean, he's Kevin freaking Durant. I mean, you can have hope and trust that this Cat's a good enough basketball player that he'll take us to where we're trying to go, and that's makes ultimately sense. to win a championship. It, it makes sense, but, but they didn't know the guy. Right. He was a new. He, they brought him in. Morals, values. They didn't your know goals. the guy. Like they don't have the answer to that. And we know now he's a terrible decision maker, especially now that he's been influenced so much by the outside public. But but Kevin Durant, still, at the age of thirty three, going on thirty four, as one of the most prolific scorers in the NBA, is likely at some point going to get what he wants, whether that being being traded out of Brooklyn or whether that be having Sean Marks. And Steve Nash fired. I, I doubt the latter will happen, so likely a trade will come eventually. But let's not forget Kevin Durant also entering year one of a four-year extension uh, <laughs> upwards about of $200 million. Yep. So he also has very little leverage right now. He's <laughs> under a four-year contract in Brooklyn that he won't be leaving until he's 38 years old. But yeah, in, in order to get out of a contract like this, they have to do you a favor, right? That's yeah. what we're kind of seeing it with Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers. Like, they're going to push him out. And he's they're not sitting g- games out. No, he's not There's sitting. no way. And they're going to kind of accommodate him in this process. And, hey, where do you want to go? Let's see who we have relationships with, where we can get you the best deal. KD, you don't have that option no more, buddy. You lost all your leverage. We're not going to help you out. Now we're going to do what's best for the organization and the Nets in general. Yeah, and they and they again. I think if it, if it was any other organization, the Nets, or well, they would have maybe folded earlier or traded him to one of these teams. But because of how bad they got hosed in that trade with the Boston Celtics, and because of how bad they leveraged their future, I don't think the Nets can afford to. But again, Kevin Durant, NBA superstar, likely to get what he wants. Here's Ian Fitzsimmons on KD doing possibly just that. This is a man in Kevin Durant who spent one year in Texas, goes and becomes a star at Oklahoma City, yeah. then leaves OKC for the team that beat him when they were down 3-1 in 
And then goes and, and wins Shout out multiple to the Warriors, titles. Man. Go, go ahead yeah. and say their name, man. Make yeah. it feel good, man. Feel good about yourself. Say their say the the reigning, name loud and proud. Reigning world champion, <laughs> Golden State Warriors. Where KD could still be a yep. part of the Golden State Warriors. But instead, all of a sudden, he got so Betty Crocker winning multiple championships and MVPs in the, in the NBA Finals, right? that he had to leave the team that he chose to go to that beat him when they were up 3-1 and then seek life elsewhere to go be with a man named Kyrie Irving. And the man that Key and Kyrie advocated for was right. Steve Nash to be the damn head coach. Now, we told we, – we, everybody, I feel like, the general public in general, were all pretty much hand-in-hand hand saying, what the hell do these guys think they're doing asking for Steve Nash, a guy that's never been a coach – who's only been a team assistant. I forget what his, his his job was up there in Golden State, but it was more so like almost like a shooting coach. He was just a guy on the staff to being the head coach of an NBA franchise. Yeah, it was yeah, a bad decision. It's that weird Ed Reed with the Miami Hurricanes spot, right? When you yeah. when a team gets into a situation that you have experience with, that's when you step into the team huddle and talk about your experience. They, so I don't know what kind of X's and O's are in, in between the lines on a Tuesday night that Steve Nash was giving those Warriors. And that would be like as if Aaron Rodgers... Uh, demanded that the Packers hired Ed Reed as their head coach. It's not that Ed Reed maybe can't like a Jordy, maybe do like it. a Jordy Nelson. I mean, maybe I mean, like Jordy Nelson can coach my whiteouts. Whatever, exactly. It's a bad decision, yeah. or at the very least, it's a very risky play. And being a general manager or being a decision maker in the NBA is not easy. We've seen so many greats try it. We've seen Isaiah Thomas. Not to keep beating up on New York. I mean, LeBron James. I feel like I'm beating up on New York way too much today. I mean, we just saw the. Uh, it's very easy. Adam Schefter uh, just retweeted. This is a tweet from NFL on ESPN uh, for Jets fans. Jets fans. Uh, head coach Robert Saleh says it's more than likely Makai Becton. His season is over after suffering a knee injury in practice. That's breaking news out of the of the Meadowlands. You know what scares me about it's that? It's tough right now in New York. The Knicks, the Nets, the Jets. You know what really scares me about Buckton? Yeah, the Mets are very good. Yeah, and you know what scares me about Beckton, though? If, if he doesn't play the entire season, you know where my head ultimately goes is, oh, God, we're going to see Joe Flacco in week eight. Whether Zach Wilson, whether he gets oh, injured, yeah, yeah. whether he's just getting beat up and can't handle you know, some of the pressures that, that some of these veteran defensive coordinators are sending him. I don't want to go to the extremes. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's tough not to see that in their near future. Plus, with all the negative and bad things that happen with that Jets organization, I mean, Heck. And I know there's one thing that I can't wait to get to here. We'll do it in the second hour. But uh, a tweet that I sent you earlier, and I did watch some of the highlights. But uh, here's the tweet from uh, – Oh, no. Then <laughs> Yes, yes. A pro city hoops team that had Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, and Obi Toppin lost by 13 points to a bunch of guys that wake up to their 9-5 to five jobs. The Mecca. The Mecca. <laughs> New York City, like – any here, let's let's do this because for the New York City fans out, I, I want you guys to tell me what it, what are you clinging to? What is the hope that you guys live with now? Because I know that there's a lot of New York City guys here in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast and gals, people that are fans of these Knicks, these Nets, these Jets. Yeah, I we're, mean, the we're, Yankees we're and, home to the Snowbirds, Theo. Let's yeah. just let's just put it out there. So let me know what is it? What's what do you guys have to hold on to right now with all of these New York City franchises and New York City area franchises? Just looking so horrendous. And even the Yankees of late have been kind of on the slide. I think the, the Mets might be the only one, but let me know. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Call in and tell me what, what ray of sunshine, Serena Williams alluded to, the light at the end of the tunnel. What is that that you guys are clinging to? Because 
your Knicks, your big three, got beat out by some some guys that I mean I'm sure played D one ball and whatnot, but of they're course. not professional ballers at this point. Then the Jets just lost your what would be all pro left tackle mm-hmm. Mackay Becton for the first season. round draft pick, and then also the Nets are at a standstill on a standoff with Kevin Durant, and who who knows what will happen with that? And also, uh, you still have Ben Simmons on that bench. You still have Kyrie Irving who opted in, and he'll be there next year if they can't find a move for him. Like, what the hell is going on in New York City? Yeah, and the Giants have Daniel Jones on the last year of his contract. So an audition oh, yeah. year for Daniel Jones. So Giants fans, buckle up for that one. <laughs> but I think, you know, to answer your question on what are you looking forward to, if I'm a Knicks fan, right, and oh, I've seen Donovan goodness. Mitchell and Bam Adebayo team up, right, for some of these, you know, backyard Drew League tournaments, right, and they, they go crazy. d yeah. Spider, jumping from the free throw line, throwing yes. down hammers, right, Bam Adebayo, hitting three-point shots, and you got, you know, DeJounte Murray and, and Trey Young and, and John Collins, you know, a five six one product, right? They're throwing stuff down, making it nasty highlight clips. If you're a Knicks fan, you're like, ooh, yeah. Obi Toppin, Jalen Brunson, you know, they're, they're teaming up for this little, I can't wait to see these highlights. They lost. <laughs> they, they lost. lost. Out of, and so we've Knicks watching, fans are waiting for highlights, and they lost. We've been watching DeJounte Murray, and I don't like what I've been seeing out of him. He's, he's embarrassing guys, but at least he's winning in the process. There he, are red flags all over the place that yeah. I didn't know existed with DeJounte Murray. Murray's a, Murray's a scrub for what he's been doing, but, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. We'll get to that. For, for New York City fans, I do have something that maybe this can be something that you can cling to. An NFL star this morning, in the midst of all of this breaking news, demanding a trade. I'm talking about an all-pro NFL player, two-time all-pro 25 years old, could be the centerpiece for your team. Maybe the Jets, maybe the Giants get in on this. We'll talk about who that is, why he's demanding a trade, and what it could mean in this season. We're three or four weeks out from kickoff to the NFL season. I'm pumped. He's Stone the Bandwitz. I'm Theo Dorsey. We're live here on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. It is a lovely and wonderful Tuesday here. So much going on in the sports world. Serena Williams, if you have not seen the Vogue article from Serena Williams, go check it out now. It is emotional. It is inspirational. And it also is alluding to the fact that we are watching her last matches in these next few weeks because she's planning on hanging it up in tennis and being a family woman, potentially giving Olympia a little sister or brother. Uh, Stone. Great day here. Ken LeVick alive. Theo Dorsey filling in. WPTV News Channel 5. WFLX Fox 29. Stone Labanowitz here riding it out with me, man. Ending hour one. Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith is a guy that I've always been enamored with his game. Chicago Bears linebacker. Macon County native. In fact, when I was in South Georgia covering sports, I had the pleasure of interviewing him and even talking with a lot of people who knew him growing up. He's a hell of a dude. Um, I was good friends with his high school coach, actually, because I covered his teams as well. And Roquan Smith, all-pro linebacker, the Chicago Bears being the astute franchise that they are. Let's just call them poverty. Yeah, poverty is is more like it. (sighs) Not able to reach a contract agreement with Roquan Smith. They've been in negotiations. In fact, Roquan Smith has not been practicing. The uh, Chicago Bears had him on the pup list with an undisclosed injury. And Which was to his wallet. Right, right. His, his pockets was hurt. Mm-hmm. Hey, we've all been there. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Hey, hell yeah, we have. I just left Vegas. I know exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> pockets hurting. I need you guys. He's on his last year of his rookie deal coming up here. And this is the NFL, man. That Not for long. You can't be a guy, especially playing at his level, 
going out there, risking your body, putting it on the line, especially at linebacker. Yeah, and, and for a team that you know really doesn't contend in that division. Yeah, you're not making the playoffs this year. So if you're Roquan Smith, it makes sense. But he hopped on the Notes app, it looks like here. He hopped on the Notes app. It looks like this is screenshotted at 7.31 a.m. I love that you can do that. You can see all of that. Uh, Roquan Smith hopping on the Notes app, sending this to Ian Rappaport. And I'll read off just a bit of it right here. But um, Roquan Smith demanding a trade from the Chicago Bears. One line he has here, it says, quote, I wanted to be a Bear for my entire career. Help bring this team back to a Super Bowl. Mm. However, they have left me no choice than to request a trade that allows me to play for an organization that truly values what I bring to the table. Roquan Smith, one of the top linebackers in the game, now on the market. Uh, Stone, you're a Dolphins fan. I am an incoming Dolphins fan. Ooh. Could this be a potential match? F them picks, right? I mean, absolutely F them picks, right? Give them the third round or give them the first that we are holding on to you yeah. know, in 2024, that, that, the one we have left. Thanks a lot, Steven. Thanks a lot, Steven. Yeah, I think that's the <laughs> player, the, that, that's the position the Dolphins lack yes. at the moment. I, I can't think of a name necessarily that is in that second level of the defense at that linebacker position for the Finns. So I think just imagine, just imagine the hype yeah. around the Dolphins if they brought in a big whale of Roquan Smith. And, and, it, and, it, and it's interesting to me why he, he, he's even leaving. And, you know, with that notes app, doing it on the notes, I'm, I'm always the guy, right? I'm young. I'm 23. I just came out of the locker room. I think we as media give a lot of these athletes too much credit all the time. We think that they are, are taking a lot of things into account that they're actually not. And that notes app, you know, just waking up in the morning. Yeah. Typing, typing on with your two fingers with your yeah. head still on the pillow and you're still in your underwear, sending it to Ian Rappaport, speaks volumes to me. Like he's basically saying, All right, he's I'm not one of getting us. I'm not he's one of <laughs> us. I'm not getting paid what I want to. The Bears suck. Deuces. That's it. That's the discussion. That's where we're at right now with Roquan Smith. So so come get me. Somebody come get me, man. If it's the fans, that'll be amazing. Oh my God. Roquan Smith, one of those sideline to sideline guys. He can cover. He's super he, like you talk about all the speed that the Dolphins have added and Raheem Mostert and Tyreek Hill yes. already got Jalen Waddle. They're the fastest offense already in the NFL. Adding Roquan Smith to the second level of that defense, oh, it would be it would be very impactful to the run defense and even the pass defense. He's one of a kind in the NFL right now. So it's amazing now. I mean, in the past couple of weeks here, we've had Kareem Hunt, Brown's backup running back. Again, not able to come to a, a negotiation, not able to strike a deal with the Browns. He wants out of Cleveland. They said, I don't think so. We haven't seen a response from the Bears yet with Roquan Smith. But look, the the, the NFL season kicks off now. And what's today, August 8th? Yeah. It kicks August off 9th. in a month. It does kick off in a month. And, and, and when you're talking about it, it kicking off in a month, Roquan Smith is a guy who has the mic in his helmet, right, at yeah. that mic linebacker position. He's the one who sets the D-line. He turns and tells the corner and safety kind of where I'm going, what to do. Yeah. He is the quarterback of the defense, and he is that for the Browns. So you're right, with a month, Left leading up to the season, what team is going to say, hey, you know, come captain our defense? And he doesn't even know the playbook. So we're in a really, really weird spot. Yeah. But I, I, he is a high-motor guy, so if he does stay with the Bears, he's going to give them every ounce of effort with the goal to get, you know, a max contract here after the season. And, I, and that's the problem right now is I don't think, if you're Roquan Smith, there's no way in hell I'm putting on my pads and helmet and playing for Chicago Bears team uh, right now. We got to get back to Serena Williams, the topic of the day, and we'll do that and more when we come back. For now, he's Stone Labanowitz. I'm Theo Dorsey. We're live on ESPN 1063.